I don't know anything about secular music because see, I don't know anything about Christian music. We so got if the best of both worlds here. If we're ever in a trivia bar game, we'd crush it because we broad spectrum. I would really kill it at the at the bar <laughs> game that started asking songs about popular Christian music. I just think it's interesting. We were talking about music, and you made a Hannah Montana reference that shows where you grew up. When did I make a Hannah Montana? Got the best of both worlds. Oh. Okay, see, <laughs> okay. Now, who made the Hannah Montana reference? Well, you that's, did. A, that's a common mm. vernacular no, saying. No, that's not in anybody's. Did Hannah Montana make the saying the best of both worlds? I'm pretty sure Billy Ray wrote that for <laughs> Molly. I think my, oh, fa- I was thinking Ray. the other day, I think my favorite tweet of all time was a couple years ago during the NTV Awards when Robin Thicke and Miley Cyrus were being yeah, gross it was, yeah. on stage, and somebody tweeted, Hey, Alan Thick and Billy Ray, please come pick up your children. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> that was the best tweet I've ever seen. No doubt. Either that or farewell, Rob Bell. Farewell, Rob Bell. Shout out to John Piper. Have you ever wanted to ride off a heretic via social media? <laughs> wanted to. I do it every Sunday night. Farewell, just to pick a different church member. Yep. Farewell, so and so. Some days it's like, farewell, mom. There you go. Got to cast people out of the assembly, man. Farewell, Rusty Mott. Here's the weird thing about it. 99% of people that are actually listening to this don't get the farewell Rob Bell joke. Should we explain it in case we want to farewell somebody later on? No. If they don't get it, farewell, listener. <laughs> so, Oh, you just yeah, got John Piper and you don't even know it. Yeah, just look up John Piper, farewell Rob Bell, if you don't know what we're talking about. Read the backstory. Um, but speaking of not heretics, let's start the podcast. Well, hey, everybody. I'm Jared Hollier. That over there is Rusty Mont. Present. And this is One Hour a Week, a 30-minute ministry podcast. This is episode 10. We are glad you're still hanging around. We've made it to double digits. Double digits, man. Oh, that was a... Oh. Reaching across the table. It took three high fives. But I'm, we got I'm a little embarrassed, we'll but we did it. Pat to insert some sound effects there like he did last week. Yeah, just insert a good sounding high five right here. Nailed it. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, episode 10, we have made it to double digits, and we're glad to have you all along for the ride. want to, once again, thank our wives, Mallory and Elizabeth. Y'all crushed it last week. Absolutely. Absolutely. We were a little nervous coming in to record today because we were afraid our email and Twitter feed would be full of people clamoring to just hear more of the hey, girls. Hey, where's Liz? Where's Mallory? We want the girls. That's the same guy who says, Brother Rusty. <laughs> Hey, where's Liz and Mallory? So we're glad to be here recording again, but we do thank our wives for doing a great job last week. Episode 10, today we're going to talk about church members. We're going to avoid the conversation about uh, church government, how to become a church member, and talk more about what, from our perception, what makes a good church member? What are some things that church members struggle with? We don't want to label anybody a bad church member because that would make us seem a little judgmental. But we're going to have a conversation today about ways that all of us, leaders included, how we can be better members of our local body and local congregation. And as always, we invite you to jump in and join the conversation. Send us an email, send us a tweet, post to our Facebook page. We love when you guys participate in the conversation with us. So feel free to do that. And so, Rusty, I'll start with you. Let's start with the bad stuff so that we can end on a good note. We're all guilty of being bad church members sometimes, yeah. pastors included. Yeah. But what are some things when we use the phrase 
bad church, which maybe we shouldn't. Maybe that's bad of us to even use the phrase bad church member. You are member. a bad church member for using the phrase bad, bad church Shame member. Shame on you. Well, what we were saying earlier and what you just affirmed, I want to reaffirm in that a lot of times the worst church member is the pastor. And we are not good at being uh, church members a lot of times. I'm pretty open with my church members and it's difficult. And I, you know, when you're open with people, you do leave yourself open and vulnerable to be hurt. But hey, that's called having a relationship with anybody. Yeah. Being a family is not always fun. There are times where families are not getting along. There are times where families have conflict and struggle. And I think if we're not careful, there is this misconception that pastors need to not be friends with the people in their church. Have you ever had a church member that just comes and sits in the service and that's all they do? They leave and they don't have a relationship with anybody in the church? We would not consider them a great church member. Guess what, pastor? A lot of you are that. You are not close to the people in your church. You don't really have real authentic relationships with them because you're afraid that you'll be hurt by them. Guess what? If you hang out with anybody long enough, you will be hurt by them, but that's how you build relationships. So right out of the gate, I want to say, pastor, if you need, to, if you want to be a good church member and if you want to lead your flock to be good church members, it starts with being a church member yourself. Yeah, we have to be willing to model the vulnerability, but also the trust involved. Because like you said, you do open yourself up to being hurt, but there's some trust involved that if I open up to you, you're not going to throw a dart at me. And so we should, as pastors, leaders, uh, Sunday school teachers, youth ministers, if you have a smaller group, I think especially in those settings, the leader needs to be more open and vulnerable and willing to open up to their people. So yeah, pastors model that for sure. So we need to model being a good member. So back to your... um, original question that I took and ran in a completely different direction. You got fiery right out of the gate. <laughs> Sorry. You were shot out of a cannon Let this me just say, if you have your yeah. Bibles, I started preaching and <laughs> had an organ, organ playing in the background. It was getting serious. Talking about what makes a bad church member, which brings us to our new segment at mm-hmm. one hour a week called That's the Worst. Jared Hollier did not sign off on this. Jared was so excited earlier and said, Rusty, <laughs> you have got to create this new segment <laughs> called that's the worst. And you have to use that voice every time you FM say, radio. that's the worst. On the Eagle, the, 107.2. Isaiah 40. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. As we're talking about one of the most encouraging passages in scripture, let me now take it back let's to, it. that's the worst. So let's talk about what makes uh, church members bad. What makes you a bad church member? And again, Let's just say that all of us have been this guy, quote, this guy at some point in time. Maybe it was you yesterday. Maybe it was you this morning talking with your spouse. But we all struggle with some of these things. So I want to talk about just a few characteristics, and Jared will jump in and share some as well. Uh, One thing that makes for a difficult church member is complaining and grumbling. Perhaps for me, that is number one. Oftentimes, the complainer and the grumbler is somebody who has very strong opinions, yet they are not actually involved in the said things they have strong opinions about. Have you ever met these type of folks? Have you been this type of person, Jared? I am that type of person on a regular basis. I think I've been recorded on this this podcast every week being that kind of person. (laughs) But not just that they have strong opinions on stuff. They have strong opinions on stuff and aren't willing to help address the issue. So they're willing, these are people who come along and they're willing to point their finger at all the problems. But then when it comes to addressing the problem, 
they're not as willing to to jump in and help. Yeah, and one of the things that that basic flaw that all of us have at times of the complaining and the grumbling, because honestly, that is the, for some reason in our cynical society, that is the default setting of humanity now. We are grumblers and complainers. We don't do well when the Bible says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. We're not good at that. We're Philippians like, 2. Philippians 2. We're like all the people in Israel who are like, man, I mean, I know God's like raining bread down from heaven, <laughs> but man, it's been a while since we've had some meat. You know, like we're that guy. That's all of us. So we struggle with that. But the thing that that leads into, the grumbling and complaining eventually kind of bleeds into this next aspect, which is a very dangerous thing that literally has destroyed many, many churches. And that's gossip. Because instead of talking with leaders, praying about things with brothers and sisters, what we do is talk negatively and gather the troops, rally the troops around your opposition, and before long, the church becomes a cycle of complaining, griping, grouchiness, and is not moving forward. Instead, they're just arguing about everything that's happening. And, you know, you've heard the classic bit about, you know, church is just arguing about what color to paint the walls and what color carpet to go in the sanctuary. Well, guess what? That doesn't start there. It's not like it was a healthy church and everything was going really great until they decided to change the carpet. Somewhere along the way, complaining and grumbling led to gossip and led to factions and cliques developing in the church, us against them. And before you know it, we're fighting over very insignificant things and it damages the body. And I've defined gossip as talking about people instead of to them. And if you look at Jesus teaching, I mean, what he says about confronting sin or confronting issues is you go to that person one-on-one and talk to them instead of talking about them. And so we were talking about this last week. What were we talking about? It was either a church split or a divorce or something. But we talked about that you don't get to that big, nasty end result without a lot of things going into it beforehand. There are years and years of sweeping things under the rug or backbiting or talking about each other or whatever it is that gets to that point. And I think this goes back to your earlier point that to avoid the years of nasty buildup that ends in the divorce or the split or whatever— we have to have from the beginning of our church membership this expectation of we're going to talk to each other. We're going to have difficult conversations and we're going to try to find some common ground and some unity and we're going to try and forgive each other. But it starts early, early in joining a church or aligning yourself with the fellowship or a congregation that we have to go into that knowing I'm going to be open and I'm going to be vulnerable and we're going to nip these things in the bud before they get to the big nasty heated, ugly business meetings where everybody's just throwing things at each other, calling each other a Nazi in the comments section of Facebook. Yeah, it takes real humility, and I lack that for the most part because I want to defend. And pastors actually, in these situations that we're describing, pastors become the pot calling the kettle black because guess what we do? When I have people gossiping and complaining and grumbling about me, you know what I do? Call your friends. I call Jared and say, man, people are gossiping (laughs) and complaining about me. These people over here, man, I can't believe it. We do the same thing. And we do the exact same thing. And then we act like God's going to rain down judgment on those people for doing the same thing we're doing in that moment. So pastors, ministry leaders listening to this, it's very easy to see that in others, but it's very difficult to diagnose it in yourself. So in this situation, just what... Jared said, we need to be proactive in going and talking to people. And 
again, I go back to what I started this statement with. It that requires a great deal of humility because we again, just like grumbling and complaining is the default setting of humanity, pride is, it comes standard in all humans. Pride is there, it is wired in. So we immediately, instead of engaging and discussing and sharing with others, we defend. Yeah. So when somebody is grumbling, even like, for example, we've made a decision recently at the church. If you go to Cornerstone, you know uh, we've kind of made a few changes lately. And there's a handful of folks who've kind of had some questions and some thoughts on it as we've done it. And my immediate, the prideful setting in me is to take it personally. But, but they're not upset at me. They're just concerned. They're thinking about the change. They're apprehensive. So in that conversation, I have to be loving enough and humble enough to say, it's not about me. There are some issues here that they have. So let's go to them and let's have a conversation. Let's sit down and talk about it. And in doing that, we have seen very beneficial results come out of that. I will say this, when I first got to Cornerstone, I knew there were some no votes. There were a handful of folks who didn't like some things about me and that's okay, or at least some things that, I don't know. I don't know if I said that right, but there were some no votes and I pretty much knew who they were based on the question and answer time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that some of my leadership team at the church had kind of proactively gone to them. And I understand their heart in this, but they basically told some of these folks, hey, if you, you don't think you're going to be able to support this guy, you might ought to just go ahead and go. And of course, you know how we are. So that, that person, when they heard that, said, well, they're telling us to leave. Right. I didn't know that. So I get to the church, and I'm on my first couple days on the field, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go sit down with these people. I didn't know they'd had that conversation with somebody else. So I go and call and say, hey, can I come over? And they were kind of like, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of weird. And I didn't know why until I got there and sat on their couch. And they said, we just want you to know that all this that's going on has nothing to do with you. And I said, all of what? Yeah. And they said, us leaving. And I just said, I, you're leaving? What's going on? And we talked and I'll tell you what, if you would have had me lay a bet on the day that I had the question and answer time that those folks would still be members at our church, I would have laid my savings money. on the line but they are still faithful members of our church to this point, and God hadn't let them go yet. God may call them to go at some point, and if he does, we're gonna send them and just love them anyway. But, um, you know, because that's how it yeah. is. If God, God called- I was called, just thinking, yeah, you know, I've got some church members I would send away joyfully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, w I would miss these guys if they left. I don't think they're podcast listeners, but I would miss them uh, if they left. But again, just because I went to their house and sat on their couch and established a real relationship with them, and they knew that I loved them, and I knew they loved me. We've been able to bear with each other through things that we have disagreed on vehemently over the five years, four and a half years I've been their pastor. Another characteristic I've got written on my list is church members who show up with the attitude of, you should, instead of, can we? And by that, I mean, these are people who come in with, they have ideas of things that should be happening or things that could be happening, but instead of taking the initiative to help get it started or to do things themselves, they bring it to the church leadership and say, hey, you know what y'all should be doing? Here's some ideas for you. So they have, maybe it's a great idea. Maybe it's a new ministry or a new outreach or a new study or something they found that they'd like to see the church implement, but they're more interested in seeing the pastor and the church leadership take, hey, here's my idea. Y'all should do this instead of, can we? And that goes against the, the role that we see in Ephesians 4, where it talks about pastors and leaders equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. These are church members who, instead of realizing, oh, my pastor's job is to equip me to minister, 
they look at the pastor as your job is to minister to me. And so their attitude continually is instead of can we do this and this and this, it's y'all should do this. Here's an idea for you to take and run with. I'd like to see this happen, but I don't want to be the one to do it. Basically in the year 2017, the church has become so seeker driven that we have become a consumer driven church instead of a family driven church. Even pastors again are guilty of making this happen because we work so hard on the front end when somebody comes into our church of making it look great. We've got all these amenities. We've got all these things to Mm -hmm. offer you. And then someone joins the church and it's like, so where are you going to serve? What are you going to do? I think we need to do a better job of saying, hey, we don't have anything to offer you. (laughs) <laughs> you don't come here because we've got all these goods and services we can provide. This is, you are not a consumer. If you come here, you're going to be a family member. You're joining a family if you come here. But it's so difficult to do that because even at our church, we, we want, you know, from the time a visitor gets out of their car until the time they get back in their car, we want them to be met with love, with excitement, with joy. And we want every part of their experience to be welcoming and affirming. But we also somehow in that need to let them know that this is not all about you. Even though we're so glad you're here and we want you to feel welcome and loved, this is a family. And if you join this, there are responsibilities that come with being a family member. We're not just here to cater to you. But that's so, we're fighting a battle where the odds are stacked against us because everything else in our culture is exactly the opposite of that. Think about things like Spotify, where you can put together your playlist exactly how you want it and you don't have to listen to all the songs you don't want to listen to. Or Netflix, where you can set up your watch list and watch it in the order you want and skip the commercials. You go to Burger King and have it your way. Everything else in our world is consumer-oriented, where we're going to make it how you want it to serve you and please you because you're the customer and the consumer. And then they come to church And unfortunately, a lot of churches do fall into the trap of doing it the same way where we're going to please the people and serve the people, but we're supposed to look different. So we have to try intentionally to flip that model on its head and say, no, like you said, we don't have anything to offer you, but we need to find out what you have to offer this church body because that's what spiritual gifts are for. They're given for the common good. So again, it goes back to expectations, making the expectations clear from the beginning that if you come here and join here, you need to figure out how you're going to minister to the people around you. It's not just about us serving your family and meeting your needs, but you find out what you're gifted at and how you can serve us as well. So it just goes back again. I think what we're uncovering here is that it's clear expectations from the beginning when somebody joins our fellowship. We're not looking for customers. We're looking for family members. And again, I think some of the things that pastors complain about, the complaining and grumbling, comes from the fact, like you said, that we haven't set the expectations from the beginning. We woo them in with a customer experience and then we try to keep them by saying, now work. (laughs) I mean, think about it. We're so glad you're here. Oh my goodness, take this welcome bag that has a coffee cup and (laughs) uh, a handwritten note by the pastor and yeah, and all this stuff. And we're so glad you're here. Please join, man. That would be great. We we want you to be here. And then it's like, all right, well, now we're on to the next visitor. Classic. Because we want to get more customers. And because we treat it that way. So I I try intentionally and I, I don't do all that well at it. The gift bag that we do that cornerstone, we try really hard to to reach out to visitors. Sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't. But at the end of the day, one thing I try to do regularly is say, listen, if you're coming here because we have really awesome music, stick around a few weeks and one week, it won't be so awesome, Mm -hmm. which they've actually been killing it lately. So shout out to actually our audio producer, Pat Overstreet and his worship team. 
is this Pato? You come to our they're, church they're and our visitor great. welcome bag just has a pair of work gloves and a spiritual gift inventory. <laughs> is that it? So wow. That's what you so get. y'all are doing it right. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it's not about the worship team because if you stick around a few weeks, there will be a week where it's not so good. If you think the preaching was fantastic today, come next week and it probably, if you ever come to Cornerstone and it is a perfect worship service, and you join the church that day, you are going to be terribly disappointed <laughs> because that happens about once every six or seven months. Yeah. We have one day where I'm like, man, this was good. Everything went perfect. Like the show was amazing. <laughs> and then the next week it is going to be wheels off, but Jesus meets us there anyways yeah. because it's about being a family. So we're talking, not looking for customers. We're looking for family members. I was talking to a church member last week about marriage and he was saying now that he's been married 30 years, that this is some of the best times they've had in their marriage. The kids are grown and gone and they've been married 30 years and things are great. But his point was that you got to walk through the hard years and the difficult times to get to the sweetness of a long-term relationship. Yeah, Church membership's the same way. Yes. You need to stick around for the bad stuff and the lousy sermons and the audio difficulties. And then after and the years people and years, problems, more yes, importantly. yes Which is what we're talking about. And then at the end of all of those things, you get to some really sweet times after the years of enduring the difficult stuff as well. So we've talked about those difficult things. And we've got more things on our list. You know, I've just quickly, I've got entitlement on my list. People who who come in, this kind of goes back to the consumer idea that they come in and they feel entitled to certain things. I wrote down the word drama, that there's some people in the church who everything's a big deal. And from a pastor's perspective- I just hate Can I just tell drama. you that when everything is a big deal, the perception becomes- that nothing's a big deal. When you make everything a huge momentous thing, then when you call, we dread getting your phone calls because nothing's a big deal anymore. It's like the church member who cried wolf. It's exactly what it is. I have written down on my list, uh, divisive. Some people just love to stir the pot and cause division. That's the opposite of what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible even warns against a craving for controversy. I've got a handful of folks that if they get a whiff of controversy in our church, if there's a decision that made that they can go around and talk to people and stir people up, it's like they revel in it. It's blood in the water and they are the shark. So we have to be cautious. So our list, we have a few more things written on our list, but we do want to talk about what makes a good church member because the majority of folks in our churches are really good church members. Here's where this conversation has to start. The way to be a good church member is to realize you're a bad church member. Oh, hold on. And when you realize you're a bad church member, you writing that down. (laughs) Rusty Mott. Rusty Mott. Tweet that. Put a nice little photo in the background with a good filter. Yeah. But seriously, the way to realize, the way to become a good church member is to realize that you are a bad church member. And the only hope of being a good church member is realizing how bad you are and how desperately you need Jesus. And when you cling to him and say, Jesus... I'm a terrible person. Help me love like you've loved me. That's the only, that's my only redeeming quality is Jesus because otherwise I'm a cynical, terrible, all of these characteristics I have, that you have read and I've talked about. Guilty. I'm guilty of all of them. I'm the worst church member ever, but the redeeming quality that, that we can have is that we can cling to Jesus. And as we cling to Jesus, he uses us and molds and shapes us into who we need to be. So that's not a cop-out answer though. What does that look like? When we're clinging to Jesus, when he's making us the church member we need to be, what are some of the fruit that develop out of that? So when we're clinging to Jesus, he develops the fruit of the spirit in our lives. 
what does the fruit of the spirit look like? So we, you know, we know the fruit of the spirit, but let's just say, you know, like there's an apple, there's the honey crisp, there's the red <laughs> delicious. So what, what type of fruit should be bearing out in the church to be a good member? When I think of a good church member, the number one first thing that comes to my mind is faithfulness in attendance and worship and somebody who's not necessarily dynamic in leadership or over the top in their giving or but just somebody who is steady and faithful and dependable where every time you show up you know they're going to be there anytime you call them they're going to be willing to help out, help out uh, I think about as a, an illustration my grandpa used to drive this old brown Ford pickup and it was a piece of junk to look at it was beat up and dinged up and I remember as a kid grandma got a new car and I said something to grandpa about well, why don't you get a new truck and he said well this one still runs and I think about that. It was a good truck because every time he put the key in the ignition, it started right up. It was not fancy to look at and it didn't go fast, but it was dependable and it did what he needed it to do. And I think that's a good church member too. Just somebody who is faithful, dependable. You know you can count on them. They don't cause problems, but they're just steady. And, and for a long period of time, you know that they're gonna be there helping the church out, encouraging the people around them, supporting and praying for the pastor, faithful in worship and attendance, maybe faithful in giving. I don't look at the tithing records, so I don't know, but I assume they are. But just that steady, even-keeled consistency over long periods of time, I'll take a I'll take a hundred of those if I can, please. That is Et Jared Hogger, who just compared good church members to an old pickup. <laughs> so... Uh, available to preach and teach. I don't in your want the hour a week email. Let me give you your personal email. It is no I'm kidding. Uh, didn't uh, Rob Bell? Speaking of heretics, didn't he uh, compare Christianity to an old Oldsmobile or something like Did that? He? I don't know. Acted like we all needed to go out and get a farewell, Rob Bell. Yeah, farewell, Rob Bell. Anyways, no that that really is solid. Faithfulness and consistency is is huge. And you can tell people who are walking with Jesus that, you know, the Bible, the biblical quality, the word that is used often for that is steadfast. People who are steadfast and steady, you know, they're going to be there. You know that they're going to be faithful. They're not going to be run off by a sermon they disagree with, or if they get their feelings hurt, they're not going to disappear and move their membership. They're just steadfast is a great word. Another thing I would bring up is they are prayer warriors good church members rather than, and these kind of go with the negatives to me. So rather than complaining and grumbling, they pray. Rather than gossiping, they speak the truth in love. When you have prayed and been talking to the Lord, you are able then to speak the truth in love. I I love people who will come and challenge me and who will say, I don't really know that I agree with you on that. I don't really know that I understand what you're trying to say. Just like you said, uh, when they do that with the right heart, man, Pastors love for you to engage in dialogue with what they're talking and preaching about, teaching about on a regular basis. That way we know you're listening. So man, by all means, if you disagree with something, let's talk about it. Let's have a a good conversation about it. But uh, when I know that you are praying for me and that you are, again, steadfast and consistent, then you buy yourself some capital to have that conversation with me. So it's a, a wonderful thing when you have a steadfast, faithful church member who sees their role is to come alongside and support the ministry of the church all the time because that gives you really a seat at the table because you're really being part of the family. You're not just griping and complaining, you're dialoguing. And there's a huge difference between the two things there. And this one might seem counterintuitive, but I think a good church member is also someone who is willing to say no sometimes. And by that, I mean, I have seen a lot of people get burned out in volunteer ministry 
because they just keep on taking on too much. And once you gain the reputation of somebody who will say yes, we're going to keep asking you to do stuff. But when you find somebody who knows their strengths and weaknesses and is willing to say, you know, I can't really take that on right now. I can't do that. I think that makes for a good, healthy church member because one, it shows that they're paying attention to themselves and the needs of the church and their own needs and their family's needs. But also it shows that they are self-aware enough to know that's not something I should be doing. If you ask somebody to be in children's ministry or to help out with, you know, driving the van around and they go, "Mm, that's, I'm not the guy. I appreciate that as long as you're serving somewhere else, don't be the guy who always says no. But if you're willing to say no, because that's not something you feel called or led to do, I appreciate that in somebody. Yeah. My favorite kind of good church member is the encourager. Those who are encouraging and who will come alongside the leadership of the church and say, you're doing a good job. And I don't mean those who are just doing it all the time. I am very, we've talked about that. I've got some faithful, usually older sisters in the church who come up to me every week and say, that was the best sermon I've heard in a long time. And like with a tear running down their face in the most sincere way, say that was so good. And they always mean it. I'm not trying to belittle that because it is very meaningful to me. But then there are those who are still consistent in it, but it's not all the time. Like every six months. In fact, right as we were about to record the podcast this morning, uh, it's eight o'clock in the morning, get a call from one of my deacons. And he just said, man, yesterday was good. The message was good. It was hard, but it was good. We needed it. Everything was great yesterday. Man, it's, it's going to be a good week. Man, that's encouraging to me. And it just, you know, on a Monday morning, that gets us going and ready. Um, so for sure, being encourager is a great way to be a good church member. I think Colossians 3, if you're a note taker, write this down. I always say that when I'm preaching. If you're a note taker, write this down. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. You wrote down way more than what I was saying. I know the passage by heart, so, so I just, just scribbled the whole thing it. down. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 could almost be a church member's job description because here, I won't read the whole thing, but Paul's- I'll do it. Read it. Read it? Yeah, read it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all of these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yeah. That's a church member's job description. If you'll just read that and do those things, you'll be a good, healthy church member. And the kingdom and your church and your pastors and leadership will all be better for it if we would all do those things. That's right. So your homework is to memorize. Oh, we don't do homework. We don't do homework, yeah. And again, remembering that just reading that and trying to be that is probably not gonna work. But if you go up to verses one and two, it says... The only way you do that is by realizing that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Yeah, it's like if you said, you've been saved, seek the things that are above. And if you're seeking the things that are above, guess what? He's going to be the one who develops those characteristics in your life. You so, said it earlier that our natural inclination is to be proud and defensive and self-centered. That's why all of these things are an unnatural response. And yeah. we can't, that's a great point. We can't do these things on our own. We have to have Christ doing these things in us and through us. So we have to depend on him to be a better church member. So again, the best kind of church member is the one who realizes they're not a great church member, but that Jesus is in the business of making good church members out of bad church members. 
and that even works for the pastors. Well, time is getting short. We need to kind of wrap this thing up, but I do want to recommend a very simple resource. And I'll just be honest with you. When I saw this book and most of my pastor friends, when I mentioned this book, kind of go, kind of roll their eyes a little bit and say, oh, cool. But Tom Rainer's I Am a Church Member is an excellent very short, very brief guide that anybody in your church, and if you are just a regular old church member, praise God for you. If you pick up this book, you can read it. I mean, you could read a chapter a night and read it in a week easily. It's called I Am a Church Member. In fact, Cornerstone, our whole congregation read through it and preached uh, sermons based on it for a little series a couple of years ago. Very short read, easy to handle. Jared, read them a few of the titles of the chapters. Uh, chapter one is I will be a functioning church member. Chapter two, I will be a unifying church member. Chapter three, I will not let my church be about my preferences. So yeah, super practical. And if you're a Sunday school teacher or a pastor, this, like Rusty said, this would be a great series, a great small group study to do together. Or as pastors, you could take these chapters and stretch them out and do a whole six-week sermon series over these topics and issues. Great, simple resource and cheap too. I think it's you know, yeah. less than 10 bucks. Yeah, you can get them real cheap. And if you buy them for your whole church, I think they'll sell them to you for five bucks each no. if you buy a certain quantity of them. So. Tom Rainer, I am a church member. Yeah, so check that out. And hey, realize that you are terrible at being a church member, <laughs> but Jesus can help you be a good church member if you rely on him and let him develop the fruit of the spirit in your life. If I wanted to follow you on Twitter, who would I look for? At bro Rusty Mont. And if I was looking for you, sir. At Jared Hollier. If you wanted to send us an email, you could hit us up at ouraweekpodcast at gmail.com. Also, look for the podcast on Twitter. What would that be at? At ouraweekpod. Rusty hey, is struggling. I'm struggling to do the social media thing, y'all. Uh, you know, since I've got questions, it would be a wonderful time to give a shout out to Pat Overstreet, our audio engineer, at Is This Pat O? Is this Pat O? Is this Pat O? Hey, is this Pat O? People have been asking, Is this Pat O? Mm hmm. Follow that guy on Twitter. He is a barrel full of tweets. <laughs> He's got a whole barrel full of them. It's great, man. It's great love, over there. It is this Pat O. The people don't know this. Our listeners don't know, but every week you struggle to get through the social media plug. I'm sorry. It's end. just difficult. This you is know? take four. <laughs> I'm just so humble that I just have a hard time promoting myself on- Follow me know? at Rusty- M Wait, what is it again? <laughs> Who am I? When you get on the tweeter, you mm. go to Rusty- <laughs> Get on the tweeting machine. Hey, thank y'all so much for listening. I'm it's done. been a wonderful time. We are going to see you guys on the other side of the road. What Drop the mic. You would go to www.twitter. <laughs> that's T-W-I-T-T-E-R.com. Uh, Backslash. No, I'm kidding. Uh, at Rusty. Mel That's not my Twitter handle. <laughs> you, you never know Why what it is. <laughs> I'm not so green in social media. If I wanted to follow you on Twitter, who at would I look for? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> One more time. Also, look at the for the podcasts. Okay. <laughs> on the other side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>